Hello everyone. I am thrilled that I get to interview Dacia Coffee today. My name is Mark L. Vincent. I direct the Convene Consulting Network and Dacia is just one of the stars for the speakers among Conveners. She does all of her work at helping people do marketing blending because she's the CEO of Marketing Blender and she has done some great work. She's also been a member of a Convene team so she knows the life that we're all living and I get to talk with her a little bit about marketing and in this era of COVID and all the disruption and stuff, there's some great stuff she's been working on that I think can be helpful to us all. So Dacia, welcome to this conversation. I am so delighted to be here. And as you mentioned, Convene is so near and dear to my heart. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, this is going to be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a great place to start if you just walk us through your journey that you that you came through really to say, okay, a fractional CMO firm is really what I want to be about. So there's something there that's missional for you. And so let's just start there. I want to ask you about some of your best clients in a moment, just to give us a taste of our snapshot. But let's just start with what brought you to that place and what's the mission here? Okay. I'm so glad you used the word journey, to be honest, because it really was one. So, um, my whole early career, I cut my teeth in sales and not only in sales, but in business to business sales, like complicated environments from healthcare and pharmaceutical. I literally sold um, commercial power tools to industrial construction companies and later on big box retailers. I was in the nonprofit world. So a lot of being on the front lines. Um, and then at some point in time, my husband and I actually launched a company, a trucking and logistics company in oil and gas. And we had that. It was very successful for a number of years. Wow. What a variety. Yeah. It did not make sense in the beginning, but it's interesting. God always makes sense of things because I was at a point where I was thinking, really? I just always thought there would be this straight path to success and then just wound around. Well, the company was really successful, but we were spiritually bankrupt. And my husband came home on a random Wednesday. He was traveling a lot, being in the oil field. And he and I are taking a walk and our boys are, you know, zooming around on their scooters and they just started school. I've got three children. And at that time they were really young. And he just looks at me and he goes, how did we get here? And he didn't have to tell me what he meant. I knew exactly what he meant. And he meant, how did we decide that we would give up everything? Church every Sunday, you know, prioritizing family, prioritizing each other, like being intentional in our lives and God-centered for the almighty dollar. We just got so wrapped up in the game and the, you know, the every day. And we literally marked, walked away. I mean, almost immediately, like once we had the eyes to see, if you will, that God pulled that smoke away from us, that cloud. Um, it, it was game on. We downsized. We literally just sold the company, sold the assets, just walked away as quickly as possible. And it sent me back to corporate world, you know, because at that point in time, I had been, you know, partner to my husband for gosh, six or seven years at that time. So it landed me eventually at a marketing agency. God used this as, you know, an, an opportunity to really awaken me to my calling. And he showed me that work didn't have to be a sacrifice. And he really started speaking to my heart that we have decided to turn work into a four letter word, <laughs> not a literal, like, you know, like the negative four letter word and it's inappropriate. And it really, I mean, nothing makes me more angry than apathy and this idea 
that it's either or. And God, I believe, wants us to honor work. And that's why when I found Convene, it just lit me up. I was like, these are my people. So anyways, that ended up being me in marketing because it helped me give my gifts of communication and sales, um, use those to give worthy companies a voice to honor their work and to use their work to bless the world. But going back on like a journey, I'll try to speed this long story up, but being in sales and then making a leap to marketing and also an entrepreneur, I'm looking around going, okay, B2B companies are so underserved. And on top of that, most marketers have never sold a thing in their lives, right? They're amazingly talented creatives, but they've never been on the front lines. And I thought, I think I have a business plan here. <laughs> so I wrote the business plan. God guided me to open that. And, you know, here I am eight years later and it's been great, but it didn't, it was about a year and a half ago. So about six years into my journey, when another convened member, um, you know, said to me, I really think you need to consider this fractional CMO. She goes, this is literally what you are. And I was like, no no, uh, uh, I own an agency. No, that's not right. And, uh, then two, and then three people mentioned it to me. Finally, I'm like, okay, I can be slow sometimes, but now I'm paying attention. And that was the thing is it got me deeper, Mark, like being a fractional CMO, I get to sit in the problems with people. There's an incredible high amount of accountability. It's personal. Like it's, you know, growth is personal. Having your voice in the world, like what represents you and sells for you when you're not in the room, it literally goes straight back to the core of why all of us do this. And so it was really a wonderful transition. And really, I felt like an invitation to go deeper with my clients, um, to go ahead and make it personal and really just complete the journey that God put me on the whole time that you can't separate personal from business because it's all personal and maybe we should let it be. Maybe we should not be scared of that, of that level of vulnerability. So I know that's a long story, but it really was a journey to get to this conversation. Well, everyone, as often happens in this world that we're living in, I had to change locations quickly in the middle of this conversation. So uh, we're going to pick right back up and keep going. And Dacia, you were telling me a little bit about the mission of this. Now, I think what I'd like to have happen next is if you could just describe what does a client engagement look like when you're talking a fractional kind of CMO, someone in the C-suite, but it's fractional. And we, we hear people doing that for CFOs. CEOs, CMOs, CTOs, what does it look like for a CMO? Absolutely, so you're 100% right, just like those roles, we, we and I am a full-blown leadership voice at the C-suite table. So in those strategic conversations and really spanning the entire business journey. I'm a big believer that marketing is not a division or a silo of your company, but you know how you cradle to grave, create an amazing customer experience and really communicate integrity externally and internally. So, you know, I, I really want to show up for all of those conversations because it's surprising how communication can improve different things. So the engagement is almost always the first two months are incredibly aggressive and strategic. I don't love, I'm a little impatient. Um, and so I don't love long drawn out planning processes. I 
am obsessed with planning itself and with strategy. It's a non-negotiable, but we do go into a discovery session where we really make sure that we're harvesting the tribal knowledge of the company, of key stakeholders, of the people that just know the business and know the customer base inside and outside. And from there, we develop strategic decision-making criteria that is documented. We literally create an execution roadmap to assign to key stakeholders, hold them accountable and ensure that there's alignment and not silos. So sales and marketing alignment, but also operational alignment, especially for a company that's going after aggressive growth. And that execution table turns into how do we know it's working? And you know, that is another thing. I want people to not have to ask, is our marketing working? Oh, like, and it's such a common question for CEOs. And it's so frustrating to know that you're making an investment. You think you're doing the right thing, but you're not really sure. No. So we really kind of clear up how to tell a data story, how to understand it in regards to the impact and quantifiable return on investment that you're having. So, you know, all of those consultant terms, but we do that in a pretty aggressive manner. And then we hit the ground running. We build your team. We, you know, if, if you have any gaps in talent or resources and we are off to the races. So I will add one other thing. Sometimes I've taken over internal teams where I'm literally managing them. Um, sometimes I've taken over vendor teams. So maybe they have multiple agencies, multiple freelancers kind of spread across. So I'm the one that's like, okay, here's our team. And ironically, in this remote environment, it's probably been a smoother transition for more people because it, I mean, table stakes, we're all remote. And so me showing up to the table while it's not as fun and it's not as engaging, it does make for a pretty smooth transition just because yeah. it's a level playing field where everyone's yeah. just good right now. It changes now. the whole ground for those kinds of relationships. Now you, you may have started to touch on this already, um, but what, what in this kind of context then is the formula that you're using for establishing and then monitoring a strong marketing blend? You were kind of talking about how you get inside and get started and find out the tribal knowledge. So now you're building, what, what does that look like? Yeah, thank you for that question. Facilitated workshops with the people that know your business and your market the best. And here's my favorite mix to all of this is we never start by talking about your company, because that's what everybody wants to talk about. And here's, here's kind of how I frame it, is that everybody comes to me and they say, how do I get my message out there? How do I understand you know, what I'm doing right or what I'm doing wrong? What words should I be using to communicate our mastery? And the problem is, is they're solving the wrong problem. The right problem is how do you communicate to your market that you solve their problem, that they are the most important thing to you, that you are there to be a servant leadership. And so it's, it's a paradigm shift. And so we literally in action start at the center of that paradigm shift. Who are your customers? What are their emotional buying triggers? Because decisions are made in the limbic brain, which is controlled by emotion, not logic and communication. And so we really go there, we document it all so that your customer's preferences become decision-making criteria for the distribution, for what we say first, but then how we distribute and where we go. You just go where your buyers go, emotionally, mentally, we, get, we use their words, we go where they work, go where in communication, and then of course, physically, wherever they show up and are absorbing content and research. 
Wow. Um, and you brought brain science into this. So now it's we've got to take this seriously because it has become such a serious subject. You uh, are not kidding. Yeah, it is. So you have spent a lot of time developing content in this moment. So I, uh, I'm privileged just to watch what people are doing and these larger networks that I have. Who's doing what? How are they doing it? And you have been putting it out. You've been pouring yourself into it. You've been trying to help businesses rework themselves and their marketing efforts. So I think you're in a particular position to point out what businesses are struggling with the most and why it is that they're struggling when it comes to that marketing blend. What would you observe? What I'm seeing is that people don't know what to say right now. And it's, and there's a couple different reasons for that. It's always hard to get the right message, but when you are 100% virtual, there is no benefit of feedback, of body language, of tailoring your message based on, you know, somebody's look like, what? I don't care about that. I mean, like all of that's gone. So sales teams are really under assault in that they have been handicapped um, trying to make sure that they are bringing the right message. So all of a sudden you're going in blind all the time. Then you only have digital channels. Email, we're all exhausted by email. Um, most people are not comfortable with video. So then there's the technical challenges in addition to not feeling comfortable in front of the camera. Um, and then writing takes up a lot of time. Social selling takes a lot of time. So I see people really struggling with where do I best apply my time? And then how do I best use written communication to come across as a human and not somebody that's just like, please, please, I need your business. And so I, I just think like it's bringing out a lot of, um, not just, not just nervousness, but just almost frozenness because you think, wow, I've sent two, three messages. I don't want to be a pest to people. And here's a tip real quick. Um, the vast majority, it takes seven to 13 touches to get a lead. And so if you can be proactive in bringing value to your outreach, you know, not into generating a lead, but driving maximum value for the market that you're serving, trusting that if you are a servant leader, it will come back to you. Then oftentimes that activity feels better. It's easier to stay in that consistent prospecting outreach, both on the marketing side and on the sales side. And it works because you're bringing value and people will start to pay attention because you're not just trying to, you know, get them into a sales cycle. You're not having a selfish or self-centered only agenda. So it feels good, but really I think that's what it is. It's just what words do I use? How do I stay in action? And how do I not overwhelm or pester people? So I'm, I'm literally seeing some teams just feel frozen and frustrated. I, I like what you're saying because um, in my world, we often say anxiety is not your friend. And if the touches, even if they're seven to 13 or 15 or a hundred, if they're all anxious and all transactional, what do you have for me? doesn't it doesn't lay down the message that you want and you you're a great example of that Daisy I'd like to ask you then out of all the stuff that you're doing from give first and helping people see it and the way you've been pouring content to help people really get their businesses righted is there a particular piece that you have found that you just really enjoyed putting out there that uh, it is making a difference and maybe there's a reason why it's making a difference 
I am loving social selling. I love LinkedIn. I always have. And I, I just continue to, you know, grow in that community. I find that people really do. The people that are especially engaged in LinkedIn are really committed to their work and their outputs. So I'm, I've started doing LinkedIn lives every Wednesday at 1230. And oh my gosh, Mark, I've literally made friends with some of my viewers, you know, cause I, you know, I say to them, Hey, what do you guys want to hear? What kind of advice can I give? Like you're getting to spend time for free with a CMO, like hit me up on a D like a private message. Like, what do you want to know? And literally the private messages that have ensued. I know, I know have people that I've never met face to face that I may never engage with from a client, you know, standpoint, but now I'm developing these really rich relationships. I've been referred by these people, you know, just by exposure, sure. but the right kind of exposure, like, you know, I mean, the right um, intention around it, not look at me, look at me, but, you know, help me help you, you know, and, and then it's fun because while the streaming is not perfect, so heads up for any of you guys that are trying to do this stuff, good Lord, technical issues every time, like what happened earlier, and you just have to be human and yep. just own it and yep. move forward and people will forgive you. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. So I really just want to encourage people like get off of perfect because I don't think our busy world has time for perfect anymore. You're just going to be left in the dust, but we crave human. And especially when you get in a technical environment, a complicated conversation, you know, like we start to strip out of the humanity, trying to be too smart for our own good or impress the people that we're talking about. And really it's not impressive. It's just, noisy yeah. and complicated. Yeah. I was on a call this week where the woman technician who was helping me had her COVID puppy biting her toes, you know, and, and that's human, right? That's human as opposed to, oh no, I can't have that be and, and all the uptightness that ensues. And then again, anxiety gets, gets introduced. Yeah. Um, I'd like to ask you at least one more question here, uh, looking toward the future, because you really function in some thought leader space. You're not just regurgitating old canned stuff and old formulas. So you're looking ahead and there may be some things you're saying, you know, kind of there's a storm cloud or there is where the sun is shining. There's some stuff that's coming toward us. What do you observe starting to develop that might mean some additional adjustments that we're gonna have to be prepared for? Yes, okay. Thank you for this, because I love thinking through these things. So I think it's important to just kind of talk for a second about what's been happening about the last 10 years in sales and marketing. There's been a dramatic trend happening that most business to business companies especially have been taken on the unawares because the, you know, the buyers have so much control over their ability to gather information, to make good decisions, to go to other influencers. And really they've pushed salespeople completely out of the research. Hence why content marketing is so important because you have to go where the buyers go and they're going online. They don't want to talk to people and that's sad, but it's true. But in addition, there's a lot more going on. We don't quite have the time, but there's a lot more in regards to technology trends, the changes in the buyer's ages, you know, generational shifts, like their expectations around a buying engagement, you know, there are a high level of skepticism that's been emerging in the buying community and it's put the sales community under assault. 
And so really you've got to find the highest and best use of your salespeople's time. I am a big believer that that will never go away. You know, we should still can, you know, be held accountable and sell eye to eye, but looking into the future for me, what this really means and man, did the virtual environment really hit home on this is you have to really have a paradigm shift. And as we're talking a little bit about this with the servant leadership, but you have to have a paradigm shift from sales as generating revenue for us and the numbers we hit and the short term gain to literally using terms like customer experience and customer centricity to be redefined in a much bigger way. I mean, buyers now, and for a long time, people, they, consider that your brand perception, your entire, what I believe about your company and your entire organization from the very first time they heard your name, good or bad, all the way until, you know, they, you lose them as a client and maybe for good and maybe for bad, but that's a very big experience. And usually most companies don't start that customer experience, customer centric talk until the first invoice is sent. That is so dangerous. That's so dangerous. But if you can shift that, you become mission-centered in action. You are able to really live out your values all the way through the sales process, all the way through that. And you open up a lot more conversations about what real customer centricity is. And for us as Christians, this is so exciting because it's literally putting others before ourselves and valuing relationship and believing that good breeds good and that your impact in the world goes beyond your revenue growth. So, I mean, it's interesting. This is exactly the kind of shift that I think is going to benefit Christian business owners because you're going to have to choose to be very intentional, invest a high level of time and attention in that early part. And so I'll kind of wrap it up in a short little soundbite. You have to be worthy of being followed. Like, they're going to have to launch more content. You're going to have to get out there and be more personal, more vulnerable, show your face, be on video. This stuff is not going away. Like the social CEO is a real trend. It's only going to get bigger and more important. Yes. Heck yeah. Show up. Tell the world what we stand for, right? Like let your people attract. I will tell you, I have attracted more Christian business owners this year in, in the last, what, 10 months than I have in eight years and i'm like oh you're so good but it's because he redeems all the things that happen to us and so i really think looking into the future stepping deeper into that commitment and giving in a way that is just so rich people wouldn't dare to delete your email because they have got to read that at some point like they're like oh my god that subject line i've got to know what they're you know what mark is gonna say we're just going to have to go bigger and go deeper. I mean, you know, there's no way around it. I am smiling so big because I think you gave about 10 monetizable tips in that last little bit. But the whole idea of, of you have to be worthy of being followed is a, uh, a gigantic piece of wisdom and really ought to drive a lot of choices and a lot of the communication because people have to get out of just being functional with their stuff and being strategic and missional with every one of those pieces. 
Yeah. Well, Daisy, you've added so much value here. I, I want to thank you for the time that you took to give to this conversation. Uh, and for all, and for all of you who are listening, I want to make sure that you know there's a discussion guide that accompanies this that you can link to. You can take this right into a sales or marketing conversation or senior team conversation. Talk this through. Come up with your ideas. And we're going to put Daisy's contact information up on the screen for you so that you can be in touch with her if you would like. So, Daisy, thank you very, very much. God bless you. And God bless all of you who listened today. Farewell.